and welcome to the first Innovation Forum podcast of 2023 for Friday 6th of January with me, Ian Welsh. Happy New Year! It's great to be back with you and best wishes for the coming 12 months from all of the Innovation Forum team. Just before the break, Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson spoke with Anke Schulmeister oldenhover Senior Forest Policy Officer at WWF's European Policy Office. They talked about some of the implications of the new EU rules to prevent products associated with deforestation entering into the block. Their conversation is coming up. And earlier this week, I caught up with Innovation Forum's Emily Heslop for an update on the Responsible Sourcing and Ethical Trade Conference coming up in London on the 29th and 30th of March. First, though, it's time for some sustainable business news, this week compiled by B. Stevenson. Shell has announced that it will pay 15 million euros to communities in Nigeria, which were impacted by four oil pipeline leaks in the Niger Delta between 2004 and 2007. This compensation is the result of a Dutch court case brought by four farmers and the environmental group Friends of the Earth, which found Shell's Nigerian subsidiary, SPDC, responsible for the oil spills and ordered it to pay damages. Despite Shell's claims that the spills were caused by sabotage, the final appeals court said in its ruling last year that Shell had not proven this as the cause above poor maintenance beyond reasonable doubt. The World Bank is looking to significantly expand its lending capacity to address climate change, among other global crises. This comes after months of debate over the reform of multilateral development banks, in light of pressures including inflation, energy and food shortages, and vulnerability to climate shocks. According to its Evolution Roadmap, sent to shareholder governments, the World Bank will negotiate with shareholders on proposals including a capital increase and new lending tools. The roadmap also states the World Bank's aim to propose specific changes to its mission, operating model, and financial capacity for approval in October 2023. A new report by the Force for Good initiative has found that technology could cut the cost of delivering the Sustainable Development Goals by 40%, This builds on an analysis into how global shocks such as the pandemic and the war in Ukraine have pushed up the cost of delivering the SDGs. Whilst the cost of delivery has increased since the pandemic began, the report finds that it could be reduced by up to 20% or $30 trillion by deploying pre-existing technologies which improve connectivity. Technologies like the Internet of Things could improve the monitoring of farms and forests, provide better early warning systems for extreme weather events, and create smart cities, the report suggests. Mercedes-Benz Energy has partnered with lithium-ion battery recycler Loham Cleantech for a multi-year supply contract agreement for second-life batteries. The agreement will allow Loham to obtain high volumes of second-use battery modules to be developed for second-life applications. Currently, it focuses on stationary applications, such as small 6 kWh batteries, and lower mobility applications, such as electric rickshaws in India. Once these Second Life modules reach the end of life, Loham runs a buyback guarantee to recycle them through its Hydromet power plant. The Innovation Forum team is working hard on developing our 2023 spring conference season. We'll be discussing responsible sourcing and ethical trade, sustainable apparel and textiles, the future of food and business and climate action and scope 3 emissions. Do go to Innovation Forum website for all the latest information and how to register at best rates. I'm delighted that the next in Innovation Forum's Responsible Sourcing and Ethical Trade Conference series will be held in London on the 29th and 30th of March. To find out how the event is coming together, I caught up this week with my colleague Emily Heslop. Welcome back to the podcast, Emily. Hi Ian, thanks for having me back. How's the event coming together? 
So the event itself is coming together really well. We've got a great lineup of speakers representing a variety of different industries from FMCG through to apparel, food and beverage and pharma. It's also worth mentioning that throughout the two-day fully in-person conference, we're going to be banning PowerPoint presentations. There's going to be a real emphasis on candid debate and practical solutions for that supply chain transformation. As ever at Innovation Forum events, there'll be no long-winded PowerPoint presentations. Other events do that. That's not what we do. It's all about discussion. Who are we aiming the event at for this year? The conference itself is going to attract around 150 delegates representing corporates, NGOs, suppliers, traders, investors, government bodies and any other relevant organisations. In terms of the delegates, they're going to range from senior management all the way up to C-suite level executives, primarily from procurement, responsible sourcing, sustainability, supply chain, ethical trade and corporate communication functions. So we have a wide range of voices in the room, which is also an important thing. Human rights issues, ethical trade issues, touch on so many parts of business, so it's important to have different varied voices in the room for sure. Emily, are there any recent additions to the agenda? On the final session of the first day, we're going to be exploring why actually have difficult suppliers within your supply chain. And we're going to do this through a live case simulation. So we'll reveal information step by step to an experienced executive and ask them to respond as the situation unfolds. Ultimately, looking at the complexity of these decisions and how to consider all the different potential unintended consequences. And then at the start of the second day, we'll be looking at how to align different actors to integrate the worker voice into decision making. So if any listeners would like to recommend different trade union representatives for this session, do get in touch because we really want to make sure that all voices are heard. And we really look at that multi-stakeholder collaboration and action from a holistic perspective. Are there any new participants, any new panellists or speakers that have just got on board? We've recently confirmed senior speakers from Tony Stroccoloni, Sky, Marks and Spencers, eBay, AIM, Progress, Buyer, to name a few. And listeners can find all confirmed speakers on the conference website. So do check that out and we'll be updating them as and when speakers get confirmed. How can everyone get involved then? If anyone is interested in sponsoring the conference, they can get in touch with my colleague, Anita Thompson, through her email, which can be found on the conference website. We also still have some early bird delegate passes remaining. So if listeners register before Friday, the 13th of January, they can save £200 on their ticket. If anyone is also interested in a group booking, do email me directly at emily.heslop at innovationforum.co.uk. Good point around sponsorship. Still plenty of sponsorship opportunities available. If you want to get involved, contact Anita Thompson or indeed anybody in the Innovation Forum team. And now's a good time to buy your delegate passes. Save £200 if you register before close of business on the 13th of January. Emily, I'm looking forward to the event very much. Thanks, Ian. In December, Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson spoke with Anka Schulmeister Oldenhover, Senior Forest Policy Officer at WWF's European Policy Office, about what business needs to know about the incoming new EU regulation on preventing the import of products associated with deforestation. We'll be speaking about the new EU law, which aims to stop imports linked to forest damage. As I understand, we don't yet know what the final text in the law says, but rather the political agreement reached on the 5th of December. Taking that into account, Anke, could you talk a little bit about what we can expect in the law that is ambitious and positive? As you just rightly said, what we do have until now is something we call a political agreement. So the different parties, the European Parliament and the European Member State, represented by the Czech Presidency, 
together with the Commission and have come to an overall agreement on elements of the legislation. But we're all still waiting for the direct and more technical text that is still going to come. From our perspective, we do think this law is kind of a paradigm shift. How big to be seen, but it is going to be the first law worldwide, which will try to ensure that products placed on the European market. So it's focusing on a number of specific commodities. So, so it's soy, palm oil, cocoa, timber, coffee, rubber, and beef. So that these commodities or products made from them are not linked to deforestation or forest degradation. And the novum of this legislation is that not linking it to deforestation or degradation will not depend on the legislative framework. So the laws in the country where these commodities or products were produced. Even if a country would allow still legally to deforest or to degrade certain forest areas, the European Union would not accept these products on its market. Also to make it clear that this legislation will apply to all products placed on the market, no matter where they were produced, meaning whether they were produced inside the EU or outside. So now we do think this is really, really a big change. And it's, of course, also the first legislation that is addressing products which are linked to the agriculture sector in a bigger manner and the negative impact that the agriculture and from that perspective also the timber sector can actually have on the environment. And with such a huge paradigm shift that this could be, how is this going to be enforced or how can we ensure that this is going to be enforced? I think there are two elements to this. What makes this law, what I find personally very interesting is the fact that it works with due diligence. Due diligence, which is a word that for a non-native English speaker like me was difficult not to crack because what it in the end means is that companies who place these products on the European market need to carry out a risk assessment. So they need to assess whether the product in their supply chain has been linked to deforestation or forest degradation and to human rights violations if those are linked to the country's origin laws. So that's one of the downsides of it. If they see that there is a risk, they will need to reduce this risk to a negligible level, so to a non-traceable level, I would say. If they cannot do this, these products cannot be placed on the European market. Because that is also um, important to know that this legislation is what I would call an ex-ante law. So it applies before products are being placed on the market. And the other interesting thing is it also applies to exports from the European Union. Of course, the question is always a law is only as good as its implementation. Part of implementation are controls and checks which are carried out by the member states' relevant agencies or authorities. We call those common authorities. This legislation will include the involvement of the customs authorities, which makes it a bit more stringent in trying to check at the border what is happening. Then we have also the competent authorities, so national authorities who will do the enforcement. And what this law does is it has a minimum size of percentage-based checks, which will be provided. So every member state will need to change, not change, will need to check a minimum amount of companies, depending on whether the product comes from a low-risk, a standard-risk or a high-risk country. So these percentages will increase. And of course, what we hope is going to happen is that we're also going to have more prosecution in case of infringement of any of the elements of the legislation. Because what this law does is it's going to ask to companies to actually fill in a so-called due diligence statement. You need to fill in a statement which says which is the company, which products they are bringing on the market, what's the volume or weight, and where the origin of the commodities are or the um, commodities in the product. So that's what they will need to hand in. It's going to be fed into a European-wide database together with the signature that they have carried out a risk assessment. So that will make it more clearer that they have done certain things from that perspective. Are there any elements 
of the law that many may have expected or hoped for that might have been excluded? I think uh, from our perspective, there are at least two big challenges. So the first challenge is that we had expected that this law would not only apply immediately to forests, but also other ecosystems. Now what we have is that other wooded lands, areas which do not follow the FAO definition of forest, but the FAO definition of other wooded lands, so with a less density of forest cover, will be included after an impact assessment that the European Commission has to carry out within a year's time. And other ecosystems like grasslands and peatlands or wetlands will be evaluated two years later. This is, of course, a bit of a problem because we do not know how much of deforestation will take place during that time. And we know that the EU is already now. What will happen is that by not covering at this stage other wooded land, there's going to be a big threat, which we do see on, for example, the Cerrado, which is a Brazilian savanna area, because we already see now that a lot of the conversion of this landscape towards soy is taking place now. And we do think that if it's not included very timely, this is going to happen also in the future and maybe actually increase in the future. And the same goes for other ecosystems. That's one of the elements. I do think another element which we found very problematic is that the inclusion of human rights, the fact that also human rights need to be respected, is really focusing on human rights which are implemented and applied in the country of production. We would have liked to see more making reference to international conventions and other internationally agreed human rights aspects, which unfortunately does not seem to be the case. So a third element, which is problematic from our perspective, is the non-inclusion of the finance sector at this stage. So we think and it is important that you do not only talk about companies who might be linked to deforestation, but also to those in the finance world that can fund those companies linked to deforestation. And we do think, you know, they also should fulfill due diligence requirements, ensuring that, you know, there is no risk that their funding is funding companies who might be involved in activities that lead to nature destruction or human rights violations, which unfortunately did not get. In terms of the process of implementing the law, what's next? The next is actually making sure that entry into force is taking place. So entry into force is when is this law going to become a law? So at the moment, it is not totally agreed yet. And entry into force means then that it's something which becomes legally in the perspective of being a legislation. And we think what we heard is that's going to be in spring next year, I think around April, May. After that, what is going to happen is that we have these elements of potential reviews, which were already foreseen, you know, for other wooded land after one year, for other ecosystems and potentially enlargement of a product scope after two years, and a regular review, so the whole text after five years. But what's going to happen is that this law is then going to later be applied. So the fact that it enters into law doesn't mean that it's immediately applied. So we hear is that companies will need to apply this legislation 18 months after entry into force of the law. So this is when it would apply to big companies and to micro and small enterprises two years after entry into force of the law. So that gives, from our perspective, ample time to companies to actually prepare their systems and supply chains to be in compliance with the new legislation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anke. Thank you very much. As ever, the Innovation Forum website is the place to go for all the latest analysis and interviews. And don't forget to register now for the Responsible Sourcing and Ethical Trade Conference in London on the 29th and 30th of March to take advantage of a £200 discount on passes. But that's it for now. I've been Ian Welsh, and until next week, goodbye. Thank you.